Hello, folks, ladies and gentlemen, all listeners. Welcome back to Drunk Gossip, and more specifically, to Politalk, the first Politalk following Donald Trump's defeat in the 2020 U.S. election. God, it feels nice to have some good news to share with you all. Technically, the race is not over yet. Counting is not yet finished in a couple of states. And the Trump campaign is already calling for recounts and suing to stop the counting of more mail-in ballots. However, Biden has opened up a substantial lead in Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And at press time, his lead was so substantial that the Associated Press has called the race in his favor. Biden and Harris made a victory speech on Saturday after the AP called the race. Biden has vowed to start healing the country, despite the fact that Trump has yet to concede. Frankly, Trump is looking to drag this battle out as long as possible. Earlier today, which is Sunday, for those of you who are not listening to it on the same day we recorded it, which will be most of you, I think, Trump's lawyers held a press conference at the Four Seasons Landscaping Firm. For the record, you did hear that right. Not the Four Seasons Hotel, but an unrelated Four Seasons landscaping firm tucked in right next to an adult store. The campaign offered no explanation as to why they'd held the press conference there. Most assume that they booked it by accident while trying to get the Four Seasons. My personal theory is that Trump told people to get the Four Seasons, but is too broke to rent space there. In the press conference, Trump's lawyers reiterated his claims and vowed to contest the election. For those who haven't been watching the news, and I can't blame you, Trump has baselessly claimed that there is massive voter fraud in favor of Biden and that every state should have stopped the count on Election Day. Reaction from Republicans in the Senate and House has been mixed. Some, such as Mitt Romney, have congratulated Biden on his victory. But others, such as Senator Lindsey Graham, have suggested that Trump's baseless claims have merit and that he should fight for as long as he can. Mitch McConnell, who unfortunately for us is still the Senate Majority Leader, has stayed noticeably silent on the matter. Trump's lawsuits have met with a pretty significant amount of resistance from the state and federal judiciary, and it's unlikely that any of them will succeed. However, there's a pretty good chance that his words and claims are more designed to rally his base than to generate legal change. On that front, they seem to be succeeding pretty handily. The reaction among Trump's base has been downright apocalyptic. A number of Trump's supporters, both in and out of the militias he's so frequently praised, have suggested traveling to Philly in large numbers to give the poll counters and Democrats a taste of a hostile atmosphere in Philly. For the record, that is a paraphrased quote, not a direct quote. Now, the citizens of the city of brotherly love don't seem to be particularly perturbed by this. In fact, many of them have welcomed the challenge from the right. Honestly, that's not entirely surprising. A bunch of troublemakers bussing in from out of state to cause trouble and start a riot sounds like it would be Christmas come early. For Philly's residents, especially bored Eagles fans, who didn't have a game to watch this weekend. In other election news, Democrats lost several seats in the House but look to retain control of the chamber. Despite Republican hopes that young progressives would be defeated and pushed out, most of the squad won re-election. AOC in particular absolutely destroyed her well-funded opponent, winning 66% of the vote to his 30. It does, however, look like Republicans will continue to control the Senate. Martha McSally may have lost her second Senate race in a row, but a number of other Republican senators, even vulnerable ones such as Susan Collins, have won re-election. And unfortunately for the nation, Mitch McConnell won re-election as well. Control of the Senate looks to hinge on the outcome of two undecided races in Georgia, both of which are headed for a runoff. Georgia Senate races are between John Ossoff and David Perdue and Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler. Loeffler has been vulnerable ever since she was caught insider trading back in March. 
Many of the state's Republicans urged her to drop out of the race entirely, but she stayed in. So it looks like it will be January before we know the final makeup of the U.S. Senate. Assuming no further catastrophes, we'll now be moving into the lame duck stage of Trump's presidency. There is hope that we will see action on the coronavirus. Reportedly, Mitch McConnell has reached out to Nancy Pelosi about securing a deal, probably to try and recover some of his public image after blocking it for, till, until after the election. Once again, also, the Supreme Court is back in the spotlight, as the court will soon hear a case between Philadelphia's Child Protective Services and the Catholic Church related to the city's decision to stop working with the church's foster care agencies over their refusal to allow LGBT parents to adopt. A heavily conservative majority on the court means this ruling is not likely to be one that gay rights activists are happy with. But Gorsuch has surprised me before, so we live in hope. In other news, coronavirus case numbers continue to climb, and yet another tropical storm swings up and is headed for Florida. Best of luck to all of our listeners down there in the South. It's really been a hell of a year for y'all, hasn't it? And thank you all very much for listening. Later on in this show, Ed will have some news for you about Johnny Depp's continued involvement or lack thereof in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. And generally, you'll have a lot of very good gossip to distract you from the absolute year and a half this week has been. Thank you all very much for listening. And as always... Cheers. Hey guys, it's Ed. <clears throat> and how great is it to hear Will first? I mean, really. Um, so obviously we decided to do Politalk first because Joe Biden is our, vi- our president-elect. And that is such a good feeling. Okay, I'm not even going to lie. Um... <clears throat> It's like we can breathe again, like we don't have to worry about the asinine things that are going to be said, because now we have a president who can speak in complete sentences. (gasps) My word, I didn't think it was possible. Uh, So uh, that's why Palatok is first. Um, We'll we'll go back to closing out the show, as I know you guys prefer. Um, in our next episode, or in our next news episode, I should say. But, um, we we thought it was very important to, um, talk about the election and do Politalk first this time. And I'm kind of breaking the rules here a little, because I'm Ed and I can. <laughs> and I'm going to do some more political talk. Don't tell Will because I will be in so much trouble he will fire me. <laughs> I, I'm like the Roseanne of drunk gossip, y'all. And you all know this is true. I say stupid shit all the time. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for Will to be like, mm-hmm. you're fired. <laughs> um, and then he'll just do the spinoff Politalk and be way more successful. <laughs> All right. Um, Like many people, I was glued to cable news uh, this week. I I swear to y'all, I like. I went to bed watching Steve Karnacki, and I woke up with Steve Karnacki talking to me. It was like we were husbands. It was like, "Mm, girl. I got married and I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> but he's such a great, like, the, first of all, just the amount of energy that man has. And then he hasn't publicly dated anyone in nine years. So, all I'm saying. Okay, y'all? Y'all know what to do now. <laughs> um, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, besides Steve Karnacki, um, the other reason why I watch so much is Rachel Maddow. Now, when I was with the stalker, I knew um, that I liked Rachel Maddow. Um, because when he wasn't watching, when when the ex wasn't watching Friends reruns or Get Out for the 
18th, mil- 18th millionth time, um, he would put on Rachel Maddow. And trust me when I say Rachel Maddow was a port in the store. <laughs> I was like, thank Jesus. Um, but, so this week, um, starting on Tuesday at 8 o'clock until Saturday at um I I turned off for the longest spell um from like noon to uh eight-ish because I, I really wanted to watch Biden speak so that's why I turned it back on um MSNBC played on all my TVs, um, just constantly. Um, and I was a little bit shocked on Friday when it was time for Rachel Maddow, and I did not see Rachel Maddow. I seen Nicole Wallace, who I also love, um, and Joy Reid, who is phenomenal. Joy Reid is one of those women who I really wish um, could just be everywhere at all times. Uh, and Brian Williams. Um, but there was no Rachel. And I was like, well, where the fuck is Rachel? Uh, and then it, it turned out she had uh, tweeted that she was, um, she had been, she might have been exposed to COVID through a close contact. Well, no, I wasn't about to let that go without trying to search out like, who is getting my girl sick? Okay? Like, no. I need my Rachel Maddow and I need my Steve Kornacki. Um, so, I, I reached out to my NBC contact and asked if, if they knew. And... Immediately, they did not. But they got back to me and said that officially, um, they're saying it was just a friend of Rachel's. But they believe it to be um, something more personal. Um, And he wouldn't... They wouldn't elaborate... When I asked if... Because I didn't think Rachel Maddow was married. But, you know, you never know. Um, <clears throat> so, they wouldn't, they wouldn't address whether it was a, a partner or not. But, they did say it is someone that Rachel sees nearly every day. So, it nearly makes me think that it was more like her assistant or something. Um, and... And Rachel had tested negative um, from <clears throat> after her exposure, and then she had another test after she found out she could have been exposed, and it was also negative. <clears throat> um, so, at this point, no one thinks that um, she's going to get the diagnosis. Um, but... Unlike Trump and his people, um, everyone wanted to be very cautious about this. That you know, they didn't want anyone else to be exposed. They didn't want anyone uh, to, uh, you know, potentially get sick. Um, so she quarantined, and um, she quarantined. Um, anyone around her um, quarantined. And then she did appear uh, yesterday. Um, I'm not sure um, what the old man's name is. But she appeared with another of her co-anchors. Um, and she kind of dispelled some of the rumors going around. <clears throat> um, she was not fired. She was not censured. Um, was was something that was going around on the conservative sites um, that MSNBC pulled her off because 
um, she said something incredibly wrong. Now, having watched MSNBC for, uh, let's say 96 hours, basically, I can tell you, if there was any hint of controversy, I would have heard it. Um, but no, there was no hint of controversy there at all. Um, maybe some of their guests could have been considered controversial, but not the hosts themselves. Uh, and she wanted to talk about learning about Biden's victory, which just kind of flew in the face of, um, this Trumpism and this hatred that has, um, invaded our country. Uh, so, and she said she never expected to learn it, you know, obviously being quarantined. Um, although she likely wouldn't have been on, on air because she wasn't scheduled to be on air until later on in the evening, um, if at all yesterday. Um, so she didn't, but she didn't expect to learn it under these circumstances. Um, but she was very happy about it. And I think many, many people, whether you're Republican or Democrat, um, I think that there are a lot more people that are relieved than are sad. I think that, um, you know, a, a lot has been made about both, um, both candidates, um, getting over 70 million votes and something that was something that Rachel talked about, um, you know, yes, Biden got more than 75 million, <coughs> but, um, Trump got over 70 million. Uh, so what are we thinking, um, with that? Well, according to her, um, there are some people who would vote Republican no matter what. Um, and we know for a fact that his base is not, um, more than 50%. So, um, <clears throat> there are some people who were going to vote Republican no matter who they put on the ballot. Uh, and then when you go a little bit further, um, she, she also believes that, um, well, a lot of people trusted Biden to fix the, um, fix the, the pandemic, um, there were people that were concerned about the economy and really concerned, um, you know, that they weren't getting paychecks and another shutdown could potentially leave them in a very bad situation. And, um, so she believes that those people went for, for Trump and, but she said, you know, overall, um, Biden was trusted on more of the issues and, um, whatever, um, so we're, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm sure I can speak for millions of people who watch Rachel Maddow, we really hope that she gets better, uh, very soon, <laughs> um, and her tests continue to be negative, because we don't want anyone to be sick, and that's why, um, we've been pushing so hard, um, to get the pandemic controlled. I'll be right back. Alright, now that we have the election stuff out of the way... Let's get to the good stuff, right? I mean... I mean, we all want... We all care about the election. We all cared about what happened. Whatever side you're on, you can't tell me you didn't care. But... I am... I have fatigue. I I keep telling Will, and I I truly mean it, and I'll say it on air, so he can hear me say it. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he... How he does this... All the time. You know, maybe... I'm just not built to be a... A, a political or a hard news guy because... Whew, after... I'm done. <laughs> if I never watch the news again... I will be good. i watched enough news. <laughs> Alright. Let, let's get on to the good stuff now, guys. <clears throat> so... This week, we saw... Claire Crowley blow up the Bachelorettes. And I know we don't normally talk about this, but ooh, do I have scoop for y'all. 
So, um, the whole story arc of this season has been Claire and Dale Moss falling in love. Uh, and the other guys being really resentful of it. Uh, and so in, in the latest episode, Claire blows everything up and says, you know, I can't do this. I want to be with Dale. Like, I know what I want and I'm going for what, what I want. Forget it, whatever. And, um, so all the guys are really pissed off, except for Dale. And they're, they're shouting such crude things. And, of course, this wouldn't be The Bachelorette without, um, without some sort of big twist. All the guys were called back. And... They introduce a new bachelorette, which we already knew, right? Like, we've already talked about that part. But there's stuff behind the scenes that we haven't talked about yet. So, the first big thing that I think we need to talk about is Claire and Dale's romance. Both swear that... They were not dating beforehand. That is a lie. Producers knew that they were dating. But with ratings dropping and... With with ratings dropping, um, each progressive season of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, they needed to do something to shake things up a little bit. So, what they chose to do was bring Claire on, because Claire is actually a very popular figure in in Bachelor Nation. Um, But it was always with the caveat that um, she, quote-unquote, allowed the beginning of her romance with Dale to play out on camera. And this has been confirmed by my ABC source, so... I have no doubt about it, and I have no doubt that the tabloids will be picking it up any any single second now. So, they, uh, both of them agreed, and the only thing that they didn't do is they didn't tell the guys... Um, and f- just a, r- a really quick shout out to my friends over at TV Line for the best possible recap of The Bachelorette. Go over there. They are so hilarious. Um, I am team TV Line all the way. Y'all are great. <laughs> Anyways, back to what we're talking about. So, it was always planned, especially since they were getting a lot of pressure to have... A person of color head up one of the franchises. ABC execs were trying to figure out how to do it because they had already signed Claire. Um, And they were trying to figure out how, um, first of all, if they could escape the contract. Or if... um, if she would be willing to let go. Once they found out about the Dale romance, they started piecing together... They started piecing together the (coughs) storyline. Now, all of this seems par for the course, right? We know that The Bachelorette and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise and Bachelor fucks Tsunami or whatever. I don't know all the shows. (laughs) Um, Um... we all know that they manipulate the storyline. Um, I even did an article about how, even before The Bachelor or Bachelorette were in existence, reality shows were manipulating dating shows uh, like this, um, where they would tell the where they would tell the um, the center of the show um, who they could pick or who needed to be in their top three. So, this part does not come as a surprise, or should not come as a surprise, I don't think. 
here's where I think it gets a really interesting. So, Thursday, you know, the episode blew up and whatever. And we got a whole new, basically a whole new reboot of The Bachelorette. And what we're learning now is Claire and Dale are no longer together. Um, at least based on his behavior. He was seen out... He was seen out date um, on a date with a woman. And all he wanted to talk about was his TV career. And he definitely tried to sleep with a woman. Uh, who says that she did not do it. Um, but... He told her that um, he had another date lined up for later on this week. So, what that tells us is that Claire and Dale were either made for TV, the storyline was scripted completely, um, in order for ABC to get um, points from uh, their audience uh, for... Um, moving Claire off to the side and bringing on, I cannot remember her name, the new bachelorette lady. <clears throat> or the relationship fell apart. My LA source says it's probably the former, that this was all scripted. Um, and it was probably all scripted from the beginning with Claire's blessing. Um, because she kind of likes having this um, status as America's Bachelorette. Uh, you know, she wants to kind of keep this whole thing going um, and always be a part of the franchise in some form or another. <clears throat> and he also pointed out, and I confirmed with my ABC source, that if this were a real relationship... Um, they would have been, ABC would have moved to keep the contracts and they would have moved to try to do something more along the lines of a, you know, Bachelorette, Clarendale's love story type of show rather than um, booting them both off and letting them fade into oblivion. Now, before someone comes at me... They explained their reasoning, and my ABC source actually went into a little bit more detail. Here's what I was told. <clears throat> With COVID and the pandemic raging, the longer, they can, the longer that they can keep their scripted shows, the better off they're going to be later on in the season when it's expected for more lockdowns and the like. That's why you're seeing the CW hold their shows until um, January. <clears throat> um, it also allows the shows to get more episodes in the can. Reality shows are much easier and don't require as many people on set. <clears throat> so there's a quicker turnaround time for them. So that's why you're seeing a lot of these... Um, a lot of these things. Um, and, and that's also why they would have ordered a Claire and Dale romance show. Even if it was only like eight or ten episodes, it would have been enough to um, kind of anchor or take up some, some time slots. Uh, so that's why everyone believes that it was scripted. Um, I kind of push back a little bit um, and if I when and if I get an answer, I will um, bring it to you guys. But I push back because I said, well, if it's scripted, couldn't they have done the reality show anyways? Um, the best answer I've got so far was from my ABC source. And they said, basically, they could have done it, but then they would have been accused of... Um, 
they could have they could have you know scripted a, a a whole thing, but they wanted it to seem more natural. And uh, since Claire has presented herself as a shy person and not a publicity hound, um, <clears throat> they felt that it was more natural for her to kind of slink off rather than stay uh, stay around. I'm gonna say on this story because what else is going on really? Everything turned political all of a sudden, so it's all wills. Um, all right, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. <laughs> and Courtney, I know you're listening, and I know you love that, so <laughs> I made sure to make... Uh, I made sure to have my beat down. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> so, uh, we have been talking... Um, really for the better part of a year now about Wendy Williams and her bad behavior. Um, and I just have a couple of updates. So, her son is very concerned, according to sources, about her drinking. He feels that she's out of control, uh, but he doesn't think that rehab is going to work. Um... So, why is she out of control? Like, what kind of set this whole thing down a spiral? Well, apparently her ex-husband has moved on. She thought that he was going to continue to try to woo her and get her back. Uh, even as... Even as they fought over everything. And she was the one who filed for a divorce. Um, and what's happening is she's starting to realize more and more... Um, that he was not with her out of love. He was with her for the money. Which almost breaks your heart, right? Like, I know Wendy Williams has become sort of a a villain, a boogeyman in the background here. But, at the end of the day... Um, she's still a human being, and I still have a lot of empathy and sympathy for her. Um, to go through what she went through is not easy. (coughs) Um, you know, her husband fathered at least one other child with another woman while he was married to her. Um, you know, he cheated on her constantly, had a boyfriend and a girlfriend, uh, had her locked up. Um, and there are serious allegations that he was abusing her. Um, both from the show and um, from police records. So, yes, Wendy Williams has become sort of like a boogeyman here at Drunk Gossip for her own bad behavior. But I think we need to remember... Um, that no one is all good or all bad. There are shades of gray. Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for that, but it's true. Um, there are, I think there are shades of gray for everybody. Um, and we all make mistakes and we all do things that we don't... That other people wouldn't necessarily think are right. Her hitting the producer that we talked about last week, completely in the wrong. We know it, right? Like... You know, no one is here thinking, oh my god, she hit the producer, that's so cool. Um, <clears throat> but on the other side of the fence, um, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't take away our empathy. Um, we shouldn't allow um, that one bad behavior to... Um, take away from things that she has gone through. So it's it's a balancing act is what I'm trying to say. That was a very long-winded way of saying that, though. (laughs) Um, But as we push on, as we look at things more and more, we are starting to see... um, we're, We're starting to see kind of the the shape that she, not only she's in, but her show is in. The ratings are in a free fall. 
not, which is not good news for her or any of the affiliates. It's not good for her or any of the affiliates who carry her show. A ratings freefall is basically America's way of saying we don't we don't want you around anymore. Uh, and we again we talked last week about how Debar Mercury was already working overtime to find someone to fill her spot. Um because they can't handle all of the complaints. And I seen part of the HR complaint. Um I didn't I obviously I couldn't read it because it's confidential. Um but it does exist. And um the copy I seen had to be at least two inches, three inches thick. Um, with just the abusive behavior that she has spouted since she's been back in the studio. (laughs) This isn't counting the past seasons. This is just what happened since September. So, um, my source said that she she is trying to convince people that part of the problem and part of why she's so off is because of her illness. No doctor has substantiated those claims. Um, she's also trying to convince people that she's off because she's not in front of a live audience. There could be some validity to that. Um, I was talking to a, a friend who is a comic. Um, he has been on stage at... Um, Oh, I, I used to work there, and I can't even remember the name of it. NY, NY Stand-Up. Um, and um, he told me that when, you know, when he was doing, like, Zoom shows, a lot of his jokes were falling flat because he fed off the energy from a live audience, and um, <clears throat> he wasn't getting that. Not that he thinks it was wrong, like, mind you. he He's completely aware of why he couldn't have a live audience. Um, but it does make sense that some people feed off of a live audience. Uh, even some writers feed off of um, their beta readers and follow what the beta readers say. So um, this is not limited to just one job in the creative arts. Um, so... They have basically told her that she's been doing the job long enough that she should be able to adjust accordingly. Uh, You know, she didn't like doing it at her house um, for whatever reason. Uh, But she, you know, all she says she wanted to be back in the studio. They can't break the law just to appease someone. And they don't necessarily have enough money to pay um, audience members like Saturday Night Live does. <clears throat> so, and I think it's, it gets especially tricky when you see uh, shows like The Kelly Clarkson Show, um, Tamron Hall, um, even Ellen, all doing um, fine with having audience member like TV screens with audience members and whatnot. <clears throat> so she's not really winning that argument. <sighs> so they are still looking for a replacement. Um, I'm still hearing that I, <clears throat> I shouldn't say I'm still hearing. I'm hearing that while they had originally planned on dumping Nick Cannon, um, each passing day with the controversies piling up on Wendy Williams, um, his show is looking more solid to um, <clears throat> hit the ground. Um, even if it's just a, a temporary thing while they search for another host. Um, some other names that are in the mix, um, we've talked about uh, uh, Tia Mori. Uh, she's still trying to launch her own talk show. Um, Chrissy Teigen, I've heard, could possibly be a potential. Um, but th- 
they're a little bit leery on on hiring her uh, at least at this point um and there's talk that Bethany Frankel might get another shot at a reality show or at a talk show rather although they need a they need to come up with a new concept um and there's one thing that I thought was really surprising that wasn't in the mix here especially given her own daytime history but we're going to talk about her in just a minute so I'm going to take a break and I'll come right back and I am back. So, it used to be that The View was daytime's most tumultuous workplace. And um, with, with hosts coming and going at a rate so high that they just installed a turnstile at the Hot Topics table. Um, however... The talk is quickly outpacing them, um, as The View looks like a solid, grounded place to work. Uh, I know, I'm just as shocked as y'all are. Um, Eve announced this week that she was um, going to be exiting the talk. Um, And a lot of conspiracy theories have popped up over the last couple of... Um, days in regards to her her exit so close to Marie Osmond's. Uh, the first was, of course, uh, Sharon Osborne got her fired. Um, so far as I can tell, and I've talked to my CBS source multiple times on the matter, uh, Sharon, Son- or Sharon Osborne rather, did play um a big part in Marie Osmond's exit. Um I'm still working on that story to get the full story. But um yes, Sharon Osborne did play a big part in enforcing Marie Osmond out. However, and this is where it gets rather intriguing. Eve was not pushed out. At least not by Sharon Osborne. So what the heck is going on? According to the, my CBS source, Eve's exit had already been in the works. And the talk actually tried to prolong her her tenure at the talk show when Marie Osmond was forced out. Um, because they knew, they knew how it would look, basically. Um, and they didn't want to become a joke. So, they worked really hard, but ultimately, it was really difficult for Eve to get back and forth, um, to the United States, especially with... London and all of England going back on lockdown as of Thursday. Um, so she wasn't able to travel. Um, and she doesn't want to leave her husband for that long. Uh, and so ultimately she decided that her, her departure from the show uh, was what was necessary. Um, she also spoke about trying to start a family. Something she's spoken about... Um, a lot um, in very sweet ways um, trying to give uh, other women who want to start a family hope um, you know it's been a very difficult journey for her um, but she seems she seems hopeful and you know really that's all that matters to be honest like <laughs> um, we wish her nothing but the best so, uh, let's move on to who could replace Murray Osmond on Eve. And this is a name that I had expected to be bandied about um, to replace Wendy Williams because she's already had her own successful daytime talk show. In fact, um, it could be argued that 
she was the true queen of daytime um, before um, taking the crown from Oprah for for quite a while, actually. I'm, of course, talking about Rosie O'Donnell. Now, let's, let's clear a few things up here. Um, because I know Rosie's name is always bandied about when it comes to talk shows, especially the panel shows. First of all, yes, um, CBS Viacom has actually spoken to Rosie O'Donnell. Um, they were the production company of her former talk show, her solo talk show. Uh, and they are very interested in landing her. Um, and they are working nonstop to make sure that they, um, that they can get her. Okay. So, now... Um, the reason why Deadmar and Mercury didn't make a play like I thought they would is not because they're not interested, because they are dying to get a Rosie O'Donnell um on their on their slate. Uh and their the affiliates the affiliates that they work with are dying to have a Rosie O'Donnell show. The biggest holdup is um, Rosie seems more interested in a panel show at this point than a solo show because a solo show would be a lot of work on her. Um, <clears throat> but before Marie Osmond signed in 2019, or I'm sorry, 2018. Rosie was up for the job. Um, and they went with Marie Osmond when they looked at the budget and thought, oh, you know, she, this is a budget-busting talent here. Um, but they, they wanted her, and Marie Osmond who also had her own experience with the talk show, um, came a little bit cheaper. Um, and, um, was a little bit more amenable, um, to what they were hoping to accomplish. Uh, but while The View has seen their ratings soar over this election season, the talk's ratings have hit the basement. And so now they're working very hard to try to find um, a way to um, shore those ratings up. <coughs> because CBS doesn't want to lose the talk. Um, it's, it, it's a great addition to their schedule. Um, and it's um, held up fairly well, considering um, Soap fans were pissed that they launched it. Uh, so, um, them trying to lure Rosie O'Donnell is not a surprise. What is a surprise is Rosie's demands. Um, of course, Rosie wants and deserves a huge salary. She also wants to say in co-hosts that are hired, um, which only Julie Chen had and Sarah Gilbert as creator and executive producer. Um, so they're kind of leery of that, but she also wants to be able to do um, specials on CBS. Uh, and they're not necessarily opposed to that idea, but... Um, at this point, they're kind of hedging their bets, um, and and, and they're still looking. Uh, so what happens if Rosie doesn't get what she wants? Um, obviously she's in negotiations right now. Um, if they come back, um, and, and just flat out refuse her, she would be free to explore other opportunities.
um, which is where I expected Barn Mercury to um, swoop in and grab her up <coughs> um, and, and, and lure her in. Um, ABC is also very interested in Rosie. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how um, they don't really care for Kelly Ripa. And they really want to try to push her out. Um, and they've seen what Rosie did for The View. Um, both times she was on, the ratings were just sky high. Um, so they're thinking that if they could possibly get her on to live, um, you know, and, and get her a, a co-host that she can play off of, um, and who, you know, someone who would kind of carry some of the work... Um, it might be better. But don't expect that to be Ryan Seacrest. Um, <laughs> I would expect that Rosie would want a, um, a, a either a different male co-host or to try the show solo. Um, which, as we all know, is, wouldn't necessarily work. So, I'm going to keep on top of this story um, from Eve's departure to um, what happens with Rosie. And I will, of course, keep you updated as soon as I hear any more. For right now, though, I'm going to take a break and I will be right back. Uh, I'm coming to you with breaking news, guys. Um, I don't have all the details yet, um, but Alex Trebek, longtime host of Jeopardy! has died at the age of 80. Uh, I just, I'm getting notifications now, um, so I don't know uh, what, um, when it happened or anything of that sort. Uh, what I do know is uh, he had <clears throat> long fought cancer. Um, he was very open about his, uh, he was very open about his uh, fight uh, with cancer, and he knew that his time was limited. Uh, again, Alex Trebek has died at the age of 80. Uh, at, at this point, um, there's not much more else to say. Um, as as I said at the top of the segment, this is breaking news. I... Um, it's just, it's stunning. Like, you know, we knew he was sick, right? But, um, I don't think that any of us actually thought that Alex Trebek would, would really die, um, because he was so fierce in his battle and so optimistic about everything, um, we will have um we will have much more um in a future episode but um yeah i'll be right back and i'm back <clears throat> and i i really hate to <clears throat> um do this story after such a somber um last segment because you know, this is this is more of a um, dirty, scandalous thing, and um, I feel like it almost kind of disrespects um, Alex Trebek. For those of you who are wondering, I really, truly, actually did respect Alex Trebek um, as a human being and as a TV personality, um, someone who was doing what I wanted to do for so long in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I... When... From the time that I watched um, people like Oprah and Ellen and um, um, even Ricky Lake, I wanted to do, I wanted to be a talk show. I wanted to be a television personality. That didn't happen, of course, and now you guys are stuck listening to me, but, uh, in a podcast, but, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. All right. Um, Respects to Alex Trebek aside. Let's talk some Johnny Depp. All right, y'all. 
uh, you knew we were going to have to talk about this, right? Because he was pushed out of the Fantastic Beast franchise this week. But don't let his public statement fool you. This had been in the works for a while. Alright. We're going to go over some of the public stuff, and then I'm going to tell you what I know. um, And what I'm working on. Okay? So. um, I believe it was Thursday or Friday. He, um, Johnny Depp posted on all of his social media outlets uh, that after the judge ruled against him in his libel suit against the Sun, that um, Warner Brothers had asked him to resign immediately from the Fantastic Beasts franchise. And he was respectfully doing it. That is a lie. What actually happened was they had been working on um, Warner Brothers had been working on tossing him for quite a while. Uh, and they also wanted to get rid of J.K. Rowling. Um, but the the way higher-ups um, basically saved J.K. Rowling. Um, and said, no, you know, this is her franchise. She conceived it. We have a contract with her that must be honored. Uh, and that's more about protecting the very valuable Harry Potter franchise than, um, than them agreeing with her or, (coughs) um, anything of that sort. So, um... Basically, on the first two movies, Johnny was a diva. Uh, And uh, he really, truly believed that he was the main attraction. Uh, And to a certain... To a certain point, um, he was allowed to believe that. But... Uh, with diminishing returns on the movies and his paycheck only set to go up um, in in the third film and um, beyond it seemed to be more reasonable for them to cut that cost Um, and so they had been they had actually originally asked them to ask Johnny Depp to uh, leave the franchise back in January. Um, and they've already been in the process of recasting Grimwald. Uh, so I would expect them to have an announcement fairly soon, actually. Uh, Johnny, instead of respectfully um, agreeing to their request fought them. Uh, He wanted all sorts of things and Warner Warner Brothers was kind of up against the wall because he did have a contract for the third film and um, they only had a few avenues they could pursue to um, they only had a few avenues that they could pursue to uh, get him to leave the franchise. And then the judge handed them their best way to um, fire him and ruling that the son was not liable and calling him a wife beater. Um, and in, in, uh, just a little quick detour here. Um, in England, the defendants have to prove that their story, um, is substantiated. And 
in this case, the son actually proved um, beyond a reasonable doubt that their story was, that their story had merit. Um, those, that differs because here, the plaintiff has to prove that the defendant uh, maliciously caused their reputation harm. Um, <clears throat> so, that's kind of, that's why um, these cases are so interesting. Because Johnny Depp is suing ex-wife Amber Heard here um, over things that she said. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see um, how that plays out. Uh, a lot of people are speculating right now that he's going to use the loss of um, this, the loss of the Fantastic Beast franchise and Disney firing him from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise as proof that you know basically he was um that uh, that his reputation was harmed uh by Amber Heard in her uh domestic abuse allegations uh we'll we'll get into like the legal aspects of uh, of these cases uh later maybe in a deep dive or something but basically that's the gist of what's happening so Warner Brothers, um, so Johnny was saying, you know, I will leave, but you're going to pay me a lot of money for me to go away. The judge handing down this lawsuit, or handing down this verdict, gave them, gave them the perfect ammunition, and they said, look, either you go and you resign, and we leave it at that, or we'll come out and say we fired you. And we'll tell them why we fired you. So. And here's where the story gets really interesting. Uh, While, you know, Warner Brothers was already financially motivated to um, get rid of Johnny Depp. They also were motivated to keep other talent happy. Oscar winner Eddie Redmayne, among other cast members, complained to uh, to the producers and directors, director rather, uh, that Johnny was acting unprofessionally and inappropriately on set, uh, and they believe, though no one could actually prove, uh, that he was drinking and or on some sort of narcotic. Now, I know what y'all are thinking, like, Ed, come on, Neo. Give us the real scoop here. <clears throat> Eddie Redmayne, who has been the face of the franchise uh, since it was announced, basically, basically threatened to walk off the project because he did not want to deal with it anymore. Um, and it was a, it was a little bit too much for him. So he talked to, uh, you know, he talked to his agents. And while he didn't necessarily have a way out, um, they did acknowledge, his produ- or his agents um, and manager acknowledged, he had a lot of power to kind of um, talk about things, especially with public opinion swaying so hard against Johnny Depp. So he talked to some execs. And again, this made its way all the way up the chain um, to the super high-ups. And the super high-ups basically came down and said, we'll keep rolling, cut Depp. Uh, And they felt... According to my source, who was actually involved in these negotiations... Um, the whole reasoning for the way high up execs um, was that it felt to be more appro- uh, it was more appropriate to get rid of the actor than the architect of the franchise. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, 
you know, the last one wasn't that good, but, you know, it was atrocious, whatever. Warner Brothers is already talking to J.K. Rowling about all of this. They know what the critics said. They know what the fans said. Uh, And they're looking at things very uh, strategically here. And strategically, Cutting Depp and getting a new actor um, will refresh the chemistry between Grimwald and Eddie Redmayne. Um, A new... I forgot what his... I always want to say Newt Gingrich. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's not right. Um, But, you know, Salamander. Newt Salamander. Um... You know that that's just kind of how things are shaping up, and and how they're looking um, right now. Will there be um, will there be um? Uh, more cash changes. It's not actually very likely. Um, <clears throat> I know that a lot of the other news outlets are speaking about, you know, the biggest change was not... <clears throat> um, what was not that Fantastic Beasts... Or that Johnny Depp was fired from Fantastic Beasts, but rather the release date went from Thanksgiving uh, 2021 to summer 2022. That is not the big story here, people. First of all, the film's not even shot yet. Okay? Um, and given that they now have the task of recasting a role um, and, and getting set up for production in, a, in an era where there are extra safety protocols that need to be adhered to... Um, I think it's actually smart of them to give themselves extra time. Um, the only thing that's kind of maybe a little bit shocking is that it's going to be during the summer, which shows that they have a little bit more faith in... Um, they, that they have a little bit more faith in the, in the film than um, what they used to. But the release date can be changed again to Thanksgiving 2022. Um, if they want to keep the franchise um, where they feel it will make the most money, you know what I mean? Like, so these are, I, like, I understand what people are saying, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, all right? Of course, this Johnny Depp story is breaking, and I will bring you updates as I get them. Uh, and, you know, as we enter this new political era in our country... Um, I just want to say that I'm glad that we have hope again and that there's positivity. And Will and I are really ever so grateful that you all listen um, and you trust us to bring you the latest gossip and all that. And as, uh, as people say, that's enough gushiness. Thank you all for listening. And until we talk again... Cheers.